Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, and today we are talking about a pretty revolutionary methodology for teaching. Yesterday, we talked about Singapore math. Singapore math, of course, is an amazing pedagogy. We're going to talk about something a little bit different. It's more hands-on, and it really relates back to the concept of project-based learning, which is a topic I covered uh, a while back, almost 30 episodes ago, we are talking about makerspaces. Now, makerspaces are a really cool concept that help to give students a lot of practical knowledge and also a lot of hands-on experience. A lot of times in the fields of engineering, uh, design, etc. I know at the school that I'll be teaching at next year, We have a makerspace, which I'm really excited because I'll get to use it and be in there with the kids, and I can't wait. That's going to be a lot of fun. But it's a a really cool thing. I mean, I wish it was around when I was uh, in school and working as a student, but they didn't really, or at least not that I was aware of. But they're really cool. And so I wanted to spend an episode talking about makerspaces, explain exactly what they are, and share some literature about them, about the benefits of what they offer, etc. So first, before we begin, I'm going to just explain. So I found this awesome, this awesome article at net.educause.edu. I'm going to provide a link in the show notes. So first, I'm going to define what is a makerspace? What is it? A makerspace is a physical location where people gather to share resources and knowledge, work on projects, network, and build. Makerspaces provide tools and space in a community environment, library, community center, private organization, or campus. Expert advisors may be able to, sorry, may be available some of the time, but often novices get help from other users. The makerspace, sometimes referred to as a hackerspace, is often associated with fields such as engineering, computer science, and graphic design. The concept emerges from the technology-driven maker culture associated with Make Magazine and maker fairs it promotes. This idea of a collaborative studio space for creative endeavors has caught hold in education, where the informal combination of lab, shop, and conference room form a compelling argument for learning through hands-on exploration. On campus, the makerspace is being embraced by the arts as well as the sciences, and a new energy is building around multidisciplinary collaborative efforts. Okay, so how does it work? Makerspaces owe a considerable debt to the hacker culture that inspired them, and many are still primarily places for technology experimentation, hardware development, and idea prototyping. But self-directed individual inventors and creative teams are increasingly using these free or fee-based services in fields other than engineering and technology. Makerspaces are often open for informal, unscheduled activity. 
In some cases, an organization will host scheduled classes in a makerspace. These classes are generally not for credit and focus on a single skill, such as coding, uh, coding, soldering, or wood carving. Supplies such as cardboard, plastic, metal gears, wood, and batteries may be on hand, and available tools may include anything from a welding machine to a laser cutter. But certain materials and tools are emblematic of makerspaces, such as microcontrollers called Arduinos, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, and 3D printers, valuable for fast prototyping. As the notion of providing space for project design and construction has caught on in education, such places have acquired other accoutrements, from paints and easels and impromptu stage sets to cooktops and candy molds. Used by students, faculty, and staff, makerspaces have become arenas for informal, project-driven, self-directed learning, providing workspace to tinkering, trial solutions, and hear input from colleagues with similar interests. So you can see it's really cool. It's, again, that whole idea of students driving the wheel, students directly, you know, holding the wheel and driving their own education and doing it in a really awesome collaborative environment. And again, like I think that's so cool. I was thinking about this not too long ago about an idealistic type of summer camp, which I want to do one day uh, or work, you know, collaborate with some people to create something like this. But this was my thought. My thought is instead of having rigid type of summer programs with planned activities, a time for lunch, you have to take this activity, learn that activity, go, go do some swimming, go do some tennis, but where it's all, you know, there's a little bit of choice, but it's all still relatively rigid. Instead, my thought was to mirror what we see in the real world for all sorts of entrepreneurs or people that are just trying to do something that they care about. So my idea was this, and this, I guess, I, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because it reminds me of makerspaces and the idea behind them. You basically have a, have a camp, have a school where during the summer, kids come in and from 8 a.m. till 4 p.m., whatever the time of the camp is, instead of having these designated activities and areas to be, you just come into this area, you call it makerspace for lack of a better word. And what's there is the following. There's a plethora of books, there are 3D printers, maybe. There's art supplies. There are computers for writing, not for sur surfing the internet and things like that, but for writing. There are tools available for research. There are folks walking around, a couple, you could call them experts, advisors, teachers, whatever. And the kids, all they have to do is they just have to be there during that time. Otherwise, they can do anything they want. If they want to spend the summer reading, simply taking books off the shelf and reading, that's fine. The idea is you strip away these, these other activities like watching TV or surfing the web randomly, uh, too much access to social media. You strip away these other things and then, hope, and then eventually you allow, almost in a sense, a student to just start doing things out of just to be fascinated, to be intrigued, as opposed to letting boredom overtake them. I got this idea because I, I remember reading a book, I can't even remember the book now, but where, where an, where an uh, author ends, talks about how he developed his love for reading, and it was when he would go to these secluded 
vacations with his family as a kid where they would just be in a cottage with nothing to do, no friends, nothing, but tons and tons of books on the wall. And his parents weren't telling him to read. He just started reading because that was all there was to do. And he didn't want to sit there and do nothing. And before he knew it, he all of a sudden had this amazing love for reading. I thought that was so cool. So it'd be the same idea here. It's almost like you cut everything else off. People don't want to be idle and sit there and do nothing. So they will start to do things that are available. And then who knows? You give little nudges along the way. If you just want to read all summer, you read all summer. If you want to read and write about it, maybe create a blog or create a a book of some sort relating to what you've been reading, go for that. And then you can have, and you can ask questions. Well, I'm kind of thinking about creating this. Can you help me? How could I do this? How could I do that? If you want to design a website, oh, you want to, you want to build a website? Well, yeah, we can show you different examples. This is how you do it. And then you just sort of guide people along, but you don't, if somebody starts a project and they don't finish it, that's fine. You let them Guide, you let you can help them, but you don't have to make anything obligatory. And that way you can really let people unravel what they actually like. Students figure out what they really want to do and create something. And hey, if all if things worked out correctly for the for those few months, I guarantee you, you'd have a few students that would come away with some really cool stuff that whether it's a, a website, a YouTube channel, a, a, a little app that they've built, something that they can actually take and use to maybe figure out what they want to do with their life, start a business, etc. So anyways, those are my thoughts. That was just something that I thought would be really cool. And it I think it all ties into this whole idea of maker spaces. So let me read one more paragraph. And then I'm going to jump to an, a different article where we're going to talk about the reasons why these maker spaces are having such an impact uh, in a positive way on education. So why are they significant? Maker spaces are zones of self-directed learning. Their hands-on character, coupled with the tools of raw materials that support invention, provide the ultimate workshop for the tinkerer and the perfect educational space for individuals who learn best by doing. And I think a, a lot of us, most of us, I'm that same way. I learn best by doing. Interaction among inventors at these facilities fosters a highly collaborative learning dynamic that is excellent for team efforts and for peer support, advice, and assistance. Where these spaces are open to use by faculty, students, and staff from cross-section of content areas, they promote multidisciplinary thinking and learning, enriching the projects that are built there and the value of the makerspace as an educational venue. So really cool, really cool stuff. Now, I want to talk, I want to share this article. It's from Edutopia. It's called Makerspaces and Equal Access to Learning. And what this article is talking about is specifically how to optimize the usage of makerspaces so that they are effective for all different types of students, learning styles, etc. So here we go. It, it says, based on our work and our experiences, we'd like to offer five ways in which makerspaces can provide learning for all. Number one, democratize learning. Great makerspaces democratize learning. They make materials, supplies, and concepts available and accessible to all learners. By properly planning your makerspace, you can build an environment that levels the academic playing field for your students. One important attribute of this inclusive learning space is that it encourages tinkering, play, and open-ended exploration for everyone. When you assess the existing curricula, programs, and offerings within your school community, it's possible to pull out concepts that are frequently taught to a select number of students and make them available and accessible to anyone who's interested. So I think that's really cool. It's the, it's the whole idea of, hey, 
you know, we don't have to necessarily follow these particular protocols. Let everybody try everything to, you know, whatever extent is possible. And again, give kids, students the greatest opportunity to figure out what really is going to make them tick. Number two, have a low barrier of entry. When a makerspace aligns its activities with the principles of creating a participatory culture, it can effectively meet all of our learners' needs. Most useful to consider is the idea of having a low barrier to artistic expression and civic engagement. This low barrier of entry into the makerspace activities will ensure that any of your students, regardless of their academic proficiency level or even whether English is their primary language, can begin making with very little or no teacher facilitation. Makerspace is often open access to materials, supplies, and easy-to-start activities will guarantee successful and independent learners while limiting frustration. Despite this low barrier of entry, it's also possible to ensure that students find challenges here with the opportunity to take their learning as far as they choose, a student-driven learning environment. Number three, visual cues. An effective strategy to ensure that your makerspace helps to meet all of your learners' needs is using visual cues to communicate and give necessary directions. This strategy is especially beneficial for learners who have difficulty following complicated directions and remembering instructions for extended periods of time. Effective visual cues will support your learners in becoming independent thinkers and problem solvers, even if reading skills or language stand in their way under other circumstances. Okay, number four, themes. Thematically planned makerspace spaces provide opportunities to meet the needs of all learners. Supporting themes in varied ways will allow you to address your students' diverse learning styles by providing a suite of multimodal materials and resources to meet, to meet their needs. Learning disabled children and all learners really benefit from utilizing as many of their sensory modalities as possible. And number five, differentiation. There are many ways to differentiate effectively in a makerspace, such as providing the materials, activities, and supplies to meet the needs of mixed ability learners. Another strategy is to consider differentiation as you plan the physical setup of your space. Centers or workstations encourage students to collaborate with their peers. The unique learning environment of a makerspace invites students of varying abilities to work together, create a community of learners, creating a community of learners. Because they feel equal to their peers, English language learners, as well as students with special needs, feel welcomed in these types of spaces. I think it's really cool, uh, all these suggestions, because again, I think the idea here is especially for, you know, the emphasis of this article is trying to make it a relatively even playing field. But I really think that's what it's all about. You're always going to have particular students that really thrive in our current standard system of, of Prussian education. And for the kids who aren't able to really, or don't, maybe they don't, don't like that environment or doesn't fit exactly with their learning style, now here's an opportunity to take a new format, a different approach, and create some awesome things. And, and, and in a lot of ways, thriving in a makerspace type of environment is probably more representative of how somebody might thrive if they were going out into the real world and starting their own project, creating a company, creating a brand, whatever it may be. So I think it has a lot of relevance, especially for those entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial 
types of folks or who maybe don't even know they're entrepreneurial yet, but uh, it may it may hit them at a later point in life. So I think there's a lot of value from it. I can't wait, like I said, next year to be in there with the kids and also to be just checking out the stuff myself. I've never used a 3D printer. I know my girlfriend has used them for the creation of different press. She makes a lot of jewelry. She's an artist and a designer. She makes a lot of jewelry and she'll often create the, the prototype and then send that off to have it produced. And it always looks really cool to me. So now I get to actually check it out firsthand. So I'm excited about that. If you guys want to see those articles that I was reading from talking all about makerspaces, do not worry. Those will be in the show notes. You can check out the show notes at www.scalarlearning.com. And if you have any questions or comments for me, as always, you can email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. But that's it for today on Makerspaces. Hope that was useful. Hope you can take that. If you're a parent, you're listening to the show, hopefully your school has one of these spaces available. If not, maybe you could mention it, bring it up to the principal teachers about creating one, or even in your community, it doesn't even have to be at your school, to create one at one of these public spaces so that your kids or other students can go, join, collaborate, make things, and really just have fun, really just enjoy themselves. So thank you guys so much for joining me. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scared.